0: God is glorious in his saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints Podcast. My name is Professor Darren Ong, recording from Malaysia. In this podcast, we explore the lives of the Christian saints from the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Christ is risen. Happy Easter for all those following the calendar of the Roman Catholic or Protestant churches. As usual, in the Easter episode of the Christian Saints podcast, we will not discuss any specific saint, but instead we will read from reflections and homilies about the saints throughout the ages regarding Easter and the resurrection. First, a homily by Pope St. Leo the Great. Pope from the years 440 to 461. He was a remarkable man, a remarkable Pope, that really needs a full episode soon. This Easter homily from St. Leo the Great was translated by Charles Letfelto from the book Nicene and Post-Nicene Fathers, volume 12, edited by Philip Schaff and Henry Wace. In my last sermon, dearly beloved, not inappropriately as I think, we explained to you our participation in the cross of Christ, whereby the life of believers contains in itself the mystery of Easter. And thus what is honoured at the feast is celebrated by our practice, and how useful this is you yourselves have proved, and by your devotion have learned how greatly benefited souls and bodies are by longer fasts, more frequent prayers, and more liberal alms. For there can be hardly anyone who has not profited by this exercise, and who has not stored up in the recesses of his conscience, something over which he may rightly rejoice. But these advantages must be retained with persistent care, lest our efforts fall away into idleness, and the devil's malice steal what God's grace gave. Since therefore, by our forty days' observance, we have wished to bring about this effect, that we should feel something of the cross at the time of the Lord's Passion, we must strive to be found partakers also of Christ's resurrection, and pass from death unto life, while we are in this body. For when a man is changed by some process, from one thing into another, Not to be what he was is to him an ending, and to be what he was not is a beginning. But the question is, to what a man either dies or lives, because there is a death which is the cause of living, and there is a life which is the cause of dying. And nowhere else but in this transitory world are both sought after, so that upon the character of our temporal actions, depend the differences of the eternal retributions. We must die, therefore, to the devil, and live to God. We must perish to iniquity, that we may rise to righteousness. Let the old sink, that the new may rise. And since, as says the truth, no one can serve true masters, let not him be Lord, who has caused the overthrow of those that stood but him who has raised the fallen to victory. Accordingly, since the Apostle says, The first man is of the earth, earthy, the second man is from heaven, heavenly, as is the earthy, such also are they that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, such also are they that are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the earthy, so let us also bear the image of him who is from heaven. We must greatly rejoice over this change, whereby we are translated from earthly degradation to heavenly dignity through his unspeakable mercy, who descended into our estate, that he might promote us to his, by assuming not only the substance but also the conditions of sinful nature, and by allowing the impossibility of Godhead to be affected by all the miseries which are the lot of mortal manhood, and hence that the disturbed minds of the disciples might not be racked by prolonged grief. He with such wondrous speed shortened the three days' delay which he had announced, that by joining the last part of the first and the first part of the third day to the whole of the second, he cut off a considerable portion of the period, yet he did not lessen the number of days. The Saviour's resurrection, therefore, did not long keep his soul in Hades, nor his flesh in the tomb. And so speedy was the quickening of his uncorrupted flesh, that it bore a closer resemblance to slumber than to death, seeing that the Godhead, which quitted not either part of the human nature which he had assumed, reunited by its power, that which his power had separated. And then there followed many proofs, whereon the authority of the faith to be preached through the whole world might be based. And although the rolling away of the stone, the empty tomb, the arrangement of the linen cloths, and the angels who narrated the whole deed by themselves fully built up the truth of the Lord's resurrection, yet did he often appear plainly to the eyes of both the women and of the apostles not only talking with them, but also remaining and eating with them, and allowing himself to be handled by the eager and curious hands, of those whom doubt assailed. For to this end he entered when the doors were closed upon the disciples, and gave them the Holy Spirit by breathing on them, and after giving them the light of understanding, opened the secrets of the Holy Scriptures, and again himself showed them the wound in the side, the prints of the nails, and all the marks of his most recent passion whereby it might be acknowledged that in him the properties of the divine and human nature remained undivided, and we might in such sort know that the Word was not what the flesh is, as to confess God's only Son to be both Word and flesh. The Apostle of the Gentiles, Paul, dearly beloved, does not disagree with this belief when he says, Even though we have known Christ after the flesh, Yet now we know him so no more, for the Lord's resurrection was not the ending, but the changing of the flesh, and his substance was not destroyed by his increase of power. The quality altered, but the nature did not cease to exist. The body was made impossible, which it had been possible to crucify. It was made incorruptible, though it had been possible to wound it. And properly is Christ's flesh said not to be known in that state, in which it had been known, because nothing remained possible in it, nothing weak, so that it was both the same in essence and not the same in glory. But what wonder if St Paul maintains this about Christ's body, when he says of all spiritual Christians, wherefore henceforth we know no one after the flesh. Henceforth, he says, we begin to experience the resurrection in Christ, since the time when in him who died for all, all our hopes were guaranteed to us. We do not hesitate in diffidence. We are not under the suspense of uncertainty, but having received an earnest of the promise, we now, with the eye of faith, see the things which will be, and rejoicing in the uplifting of our nature, we already possess what we believe. Let us not, then, be taken up with the appearances of temporal matters, neither let our contemplations be diverted from heavenly to earthly things. Things which as yet have, for the most part, not come to pass, must be reckoned as accomplished, and the mind intent on what is permanent must fix its desires there, where what is offered is eternal. For although by hope we were saved, and still bear about with us, a flesh that is corruptible and mortal, yet we are rightly said not to be in the flesh if the fleshly affections do not dominate us, and are justified in ceasing to be named after that the will of which we do not follow. And so when the apostle says, make no provision for the flesh in the lust thereof, we understand those things are not forbidden us which conduce to health which human weakness demands. But because we may not satisfy all our desires, nor indulge in all that the flesh lusts after, we recognise that we are warned to exercise such self-restraint as not to permit what is excessive, nor refuse what is necessary to the flesh, which is placed under the mind's control. And hence the same apostle says in another place, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it insofar, of course, as it must be nourished and cherished, not in vices and luxury, but with a view to its proper functions, so that nature may recover herself and maintain due order, the lower parts not prevailing wrongfully and debasingly over the higher, nor the higher yielding to the lower, lest if vices overpower the mind, slavery ensues where there should be supremacy." Let God's people then recognize that they are a new creation in Christ, and with all vigilance understand by whom they have been adopted and whom they have adopted. Let not the things which have been made new return to their ancient instability, and let not him who has put his hand to the plough forsake his work, but rather attend to that which he sows than look back to that which he has left behind. Let no one fall back into that from which she has risen. But even though from bodily weakness he still languishes under certain maladies, let him urgently desire to be healed and raised up, for this is the path of health through imitation of the resurrection begun in Christ, whereby notwithstanding the many accidents and falls to which in this slippery life the traveller is liable, his feet may be guided from the quagmire onto solid ground. For as it is written, the steps of a man are directed by the Lord, and he will delight in his way. When the just man falls, he shall not be overthrown, because the Lord will stretch out his hand. These thoughts, dearly beloved, must be kept in mind not only for the Easter festival, but also for the sanctification of the whole life, and to this our present exercise ought to be directed, that what has delighted the souls of the faithful by the experience of a short observance may pass into a habit and remain unalterably, and if any fault creep in, It may be destroyed by speedy repentance, and because the cure of old-standing diseases is slow and difficult, remedies should be applied early, when the wounds are fresh, so that rising ever anew from all downfalls, we may deserve to attain to the incorruptible resurrection of our glorified flesh, in Christ Jesus our Lord, who lives and reigns, with the Father and the Holy Ghost, for ever and ever. Amen. Next, we will read a paschal homily from the Serbian Orthodox saint Nikolai Velimirović. This is another saint who really needs an episode. I'll get on one soon. Saint Nikolai Velimirović was an early 20th century bishop who is known as a gifted writer and orator. Here is a paschal homily that he gave in the year 1934. Each Christian feast raises hundreds of questions and gives hundreds of answers. The questions are from men. The answers come from God through the feasts. This is especially true with the feast of Christ's resurrection. Here he opens for us with his keys hundreds of locked doors. For God has more answers than man has questions. He has more keys than man has mysteries. Let us then consider a few such questions. Here is a mystery. Why did Christ rise from the dead? The key, because life could not remain in the grave. A thousand years before the Prophet foretold concerning Christ, nor wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Christ revealed the the Living Word, the Father, to the world. He revealed the heavens, the living realm of angelic hosts. He revealed life after death and the eternal heavenly kingdom. Would then the restorer of life remain in the darkness of the grave and the embrace of death? Christ raised Jairus' daughter and the son of the widow of Nine and Lazarus of Bethany. Would he who raised others not raise up himself? Truly he arose. He could not do otherwise by virtue of his essence, his power, his greatness. Weak is the force of death that aspired to hold down the giver of life in its abyss, small is the mouth of death, that aspired to strangle the bestower of resurrection. Only in the light of the resurrection can one comprehend Christ's deeds on earth, his love for men and his divinity. Here is another mystery. How has the belief in the resurrection of Christ been preserved through so many centuries? The key, in the same way that a well-rooted tree withstands the winds, as light is preserved in darkness and as truth is preserved amidst lies. A third mystery, is the resurrection of Christ still felt today? The key, it is powerfully felt throughout the entire world. Gazing with the eyes of the Spirit at the resurrected Lord, the weak are strengthened, the sorrowful are comforted, the sad rejoice, sinners repent, the wicked are corrected, the impure are cleansed, the persecuted are encouraged, the despondent hope, sufferers pray, and those on their deathbeds no longer fear death. Today the master spoiled hell, and raised the prisoners from all ages, whom it had held in bitter bondage. Finally, let us read this wonderful reflection from Saint Teresa of Avila, from chapter 23 of her autobiography. We do have an episode on St. Teresa that you should check out. She was a 16th century Carmelite nun and theologian, known for her mystical experiences of encountering Christ. Here is an excerpt from her writings about the resurrection. It may be that our temperament, or some indisposition, will not always allow us to think of the passion because of its painfulness. But what can prevent us from being with him in his resurrection body, since we have him so near us in the sacrament, where he is already glorified? Here we shall not see him wearied and broken in body, streaming with blood, exhausted by journeying, persecuted by those to whom he was doing such good, disbelieved by the apostles. Certainly, it is not always that one can bear to think of such great trials as those which he suffered. But here we can behold him, free from pain, full of glory, strengthening some, encouraging others. Here he ascends to the heavens. In the most holy sacrament, he is our companion, and it would seem impossible for him to leave us for a moment. And yet it was possible for me to leave thee, my Lord, in the hope that I might serve thee better. True, when I offended thee, I knew thee not but to think that, when I did know thee, I could suppose it possible that in such a way I should gain more. How mistaken, Lord, was the path I followed. Indeed, I think I should be following no path at all, hadst thou not brought me back to it. But when I see thee near me, I have seen all blessings. No trial has come to me that I cannot gladly bear when I look at thee as thou stoodest before thy judges. With so great a friend, so good a captain at our side, who came forward first of all to suffer. One can bear everything. He helps us. He gives us strength. He never fails. He is a true friend. Thank you for listening to the Christian Saints Podcast. Look for the Christian Saints podcast page on Facebook or Instagram, or find us on Twitter at podcast underscore saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend, James John Marks of Generative Sounds. Please check out his music at generativesoundsjjm.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes, or whatever podcast app you use so more people can find the Christian Saints podcast and be blessed by these stories of God's saints. Let us end by reading a poem by John Donne titled Resurrection. Moist with one drop of thy blood, my dry soul, shall, though she now be in extreme degree too stony hard and yet too fleshly, be freed by that drop from being starved, hard, or foul, and life by this death able shall control. Death, whom thy death slew, nor shall to me fear of first or last death bring misery. If in the little book my name thou enroll, flesh in that long sleep is not putrefied, but made that there, of which and for which was, nor can by other means be glorified. May then sins sleep, and deaths soon from me pass, that waked from both I again risen may. Salute the last and everlasting day. <laughs>